Welcome to the Disrupt Now podcast, episode number nine. The Disrupt Now podcast, created by Natalie Viglione, entrepreneur and founder of Team Goo. It's designed to help people break down the walls around them, construct the ultimate vision of their lives, and provides the tools, tips, and techniques to disrupt their status quo. We shine a light on the good, the bad, and the ugly to help build the roadmap to your dreams. We talk with today's most effective disruptors in every area from art and design to technology and finance and even health and well-being. Our guests bring topics to light that help others to shake themselves free and can give them a whole new outlook on life. Today on the Disrupt Now podcast, we have Heather Weibel. Heather Weibel is the founder of Wellness, which is a platform that helps companies implement and optimize their workplace wellness programs. Heather is a two-time entrepreneur and has also spent time working in Fortune 500 companies. We're going to talk to her today about the health and wellness trends she's seeing and how she's helping fuel a more healthy culture in businesses, as well as dig into her entrepreneurial journey to get to where she is today. Heather, we're really excited to have you on the Disrupt Now podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Of course. And um, the whole health and wellness element is just, you know, such a big thing for us here. Um, It's so important um, because we're really looking at, you know, connecting the mind, body and soul. So this is really a topic that's close and dear to our hearts as well. Excellent. Glad to hear it. It's definitely a growing industry. I like to think of this as the year of workplace wellness. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I think that the interesting factor, and I think that your perspective is really amazing. First of all, your history and what you've done. um, We are really excited to talk more about that and how you got to where you are today. Um, But, you know, from an idea perspective, and the concept of the wellness um, platform that you've built, I'm sure, you know, research for you never stops, right? <laughs> and then building this together with, you know, all of the things that you've learned and the trends that you're seeing across the globe, um, you know, you're well-traveled. And what we'd really love to hear about just to kick this all off is your perspective on how businesses are becoming more enlightened and, you know, how they're really connecting health with the wellness of their employees. And and what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, so like I said, I like to call it the year of workplace wellness because it is a growing market. So some studies say that this market is growing by over 6% a year. And 8% of companies in the U.S. are planning to add a wellness program this year. And the reason that companies care about this now is because stress costs employers $190 billion a year in America. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) Big number. Uh, And stress leads to burnout, and burnout leads to people quitting. So employers care about this because there's a real ROI that they can get from workplace wellness. Right. So um, there's a lot of different Uh, benefits that a company can get. So aside from decreasing stress, which 
uh, workplace wellness is shown to decrease by up to 33%. It also has a lot of benefits in terms of recruiting. So mm-hmm. nine out of 10 employees will actually consider wellness programming when they consider an employer. Uh, there's reduction in injury, especially in companies that have uh, more of a physical aspect to it. So moving boxes or a factory type of job. Right. significantly reduce injuries. Um, and healthcare costs is a big one. So healthcare is number two on most companies' um, budgets. And they're growing. So healthcare costs are getting very, very expensive for employers. Absolutely. Wellness programs can reduce both out-of-pocket medical spend for the employee, employee, but also cost on the employer side. So there's all these different benefits that wellness can have, and I believe that's why more companies are exploring that as an option. Right, right. I mean, the healthcare costs is probably the biggest um, change. I feel like, you know, even, even coming from the other side, you know, we've both had that scenario of working for large entities. And at one point, you know, knowing that your healthcare was just as is pretty, was pretty awesome, you know, even just a decade ago and man, that's changed. <laughs> it's changed a lot. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And employees more are expecting these types of benefits. Um, so companies are, are often surveying employees uh, every year and they're asking questions like, do you feel that this is a healthy place to work? And so that's mm-hmm. a good metric that they're now looking at. And it generates goodwill from the employee side. So they feel like their company cares about them and wants them to be healthy and is providing avenues for that. Right, right. And and. What do you think from what you're seeing just even from, you know, uh, working with the companies and talking to the human resources people or managers that are really armed with the um, they have to have the solutions in place to keep their employees or at least to try to keep employees, you know, super happy. What are some things that you're seeing as far as trends and what are people interested in? Because I feel like it's moving past the, oh, just do yoga a couple times a week and you'll be great. Let's offer yoga. And then that's it. It's, it's, do you feel like it's getting way more in depth and offering people more and more things to actually choose from? Absolutely. So the, the old standards of yoga and chair massage are still there, but yes. we found increasingly that people are interested in mindfulness as programming for their employees. So mindful meditation And the reason for that is that mindfulness, well, first of all, is becoming more and more in vogue. There's a ton of apps around this. There's a lot of um, zeitgeist, for example, like 10% Happier uh, was a book that really impacted uh, bringing mindfulness into the mainstream consciousness. And so um, also we have more of a millennial workforce nowadays, which are a group of people that are more interested in things like mindfulness. So that's definitely a trend that we're seeing. And the great thing about mindfulness is it's really adaptive. So yoga can really only help you in in certain ways, the mind-body connection, help with flexibility, Mm -hmm. for example. But mindfulness can be tailored to address a number of issues that a company might be trying to solve for. So a great example of this is um, change management. So companies Mm -hmm. that are going through a lot of churn, maybe they've had change at the leadership level or strategy, 
employees have a hard time dealing with that change. They get really burnt out. They feel like they don't know what direction to run in or that direction is always changing and it can be difficult for them to adapt. And so a mindfulness training is something that can help employees to learn to adapt to change, to recognize the difference between an external force and an internal force. So, you know, uh, for example, this is something that's happening to them, but what they can control is their reaction to it, which is something right. that um, so it's interesting that you can take mindfulness and you can adapt it to a number of, of different issues. It can help with stress. It can help with change management. It can help with um, new employees that are in their first job outside of the workforce and are feeling overwhelmed. Um, so I think that's one of the big reasons why this is an up and coming uh, trend that we're seeing that employers are interested in. Yes, Absolutely. And that's an interesting word. I love that word mindfulness. It's obviously a really big part of, you know, kind of where we're working from, too, is helping people, you know, disrupt and become mindful of how they are reacting to situations and living within their life and their work life, too. And so that's really awesome that, you know, your your whole you know, platform is wrapped around helping companies manage this and take it to the next level, because I think that's a huge thing for, well, for people within the workplace, because like you said, you know, if a company, which let's be real, a lot of companies go through change often, and it's like massive turnover rates and, and motivation and the culture just can get really drab and really, you know, sad and just, so people don't feel like cre- being creative or, well, really wanting to do much of anything. So I can totally see this being, you know, a massive, massive thing. And what what do you think it, as far as like this year? Um, it, do you feel like, and this is just a question, you know, we can kind of <laughs> go in any direction. But do you feel like there's something almost pulling people into caring about being mindful um, what do you what do you think? Because we've we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think that we're seeing a lot of new studies coming out about this, and so it's gone from being kind of like a foo foo thing that uh, you know maybe it helps, maybe it doesn't, to actually having documented studies that proves that it's effective. Um, so there was one just recently that came out specifically on whether mindfulness training has any impact on leadership skills. So. Mm-hmm. Things like communication, adapting to change, um, being less reactive uh, to stress. And the study found that it absolutely did impact those things with the caveat that it only worked if the employees continued to practice uh, mindfulness. So if they just took a you know one-time class on it and then never did it again, it doesn't help, help them at all. But if they continue to practice over the course of at least eight weeks, it does impact those things. So I think the preponderance of more studies coming out showing the impact is one thing that has really helped legitimize it in the corporate space, as well right. as that general kind of movement towards mindfulness in, in popular culture, where this is becoming something that everyone kind of knows about, that even five years ago, I would say we would probably have no idea what mindfulness meant. Yes, exactly. It's true. I feel like the word has really become more and more popular, which is amazing. I mean, that's 
that's a that's a beautiful statement to wrap around you know a, a company's culture where all of our employees are mindful of of who they are and how they react and how they operate especially leadership that's that is definitely the key <laughs> yeah. and what's really interesting about it is it has this ripple effect on so many different things like There's one study I really like, which was um, a group of meditators and a group of non-meditators that were put in a a simulated stressful work environment and given a bunch of tasks to complete. Mm -hmm. And what they found was that the meditators and the non-meditators completed the tasks in the same amount of time. So they weren't any faster. But the meditators uh, had significantly less task switching. So essentially, they were not multitasking. They would see a task through to completion. And so Mm. as a result, they felt significantly less stress during the exercise and they retained much more of the information. So that's interesting. Yeah. So there's all these, uh, you know, small wins that you get as a result of this, um, aside from maybe what your main goal of rolling this out is. Right. Right. Because, again, that stress factor (laughs) leads to... Oh, my gosh. I mean, we could be here for another few hours just talking about that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So wellness, let's talk about your platform and what you've created and structured before we kind of get into the journey for you getting to where you are now, which, again, is I'm I'm excited because, um, well, the cigar bar ownership in your past is amazing because I'm a huge fan of cigar bars. So anyway... Total side note, but um, <laughs> how do you feel wellness, you know, is, is going to or is disrupting the space? And, you know, what kinds of even entrepreneurial challenges have you kind of faced to overcome, you know, and get to the spot where you are? And of course, you know, as entrepreneurs, we are always going to face things in general. But, um, you know, I really love, you know, you're a woman entrepreneur, you're empowering health and wellness and business and cultures that, you know, I just I just love everything that you're creating and, and doing. So love to hear kind of about your entrepreneurial journey to get here, but also, you know, wellness again, and how that's just going to just kind of change people's lives and even, you know, help businesses and the leaders within them. Yes, absolutely. So I guess I'll start by telling you kind of the genesis of the company. And it started when I used to work for a Fortune 500 company and I managed multi-million dollar budgets and traveled all the time. And I was really stressed out and I started getting like tendonitis in my wrists and ocular migraines. And I'm a lifelong yogi. So I knew that doing yoga would help with some of these symptoms, but I was so tired from work that like the last thing I wanted to do when I got home was to exercise. I just wanted to like chill out. Right. So I wasn't like terrible <laughs> at all. <laughs> and meanwhile, my employer rolled out a wellness program and they knew that there were employees like me, they wanted to help. So they rolled this out and I started going to the classes and because I was traveling, I got to experience that at different locations. And I noticed two things. One was that some of the classes were not well attended at all. So there would be maybe three people in this yoga class. And I was right. wondering why the company would continue to fund this class or offer this class with so little participation. And the second thing I noticed was that every office had a real discrepancy in what was offered. So some offices had gyms and these amazing healthy snacks and you know they would cater in like paleo pancakes. 
And another office would have a break room that was just like candy bars and chips. It was like literally like a 7-Eleven. And I was wondering why different employees had different access to this. So I actually went to our chief people officer and, and talked to them. And what I found was that, first of all, they didn't know, they had no idea what was offered from office to office. So they didn't even know what they were offering in terms of wellness. They had no way of measuring this to see if employees liked the classes, wanted the classes, were participating in them. And basically, they didn't have an easy way to centrally manage these programs and see if it was having the impact that they wanted it to have. Mm-hmm. And so that's really where the idea for wellness uh, was first born. So what wellness is, is we're a complete end-to-end on-site wellness solution for a company. So we do everything from staffing the on-site services. So we work with 500 providers in the U.S. that do everything from yoga to nutrition to mindfulness Mm-hmm. And we're also a software solution for the company. So it allows their employees to discover and book the wellness programming available to them at any location in their company, which is great for business travelers. Right. <laughs> and it lets the company see analytic data about how these programs are performing across their company. So they can mm. see if they're not doing well and take steps to address that. And in the future, we'll also be measuring things like how these programs are impacting things like stress and productivity and goodwill towards the employer. Right. And costs of, you know, are there healthcare costs going down? Are there massive changes in that structure as well? Since it's more of a, you know, treating us, you know, building a solution rather than just treating a problem. Yes, and measuring reduction in healthcare costs is a tricky is a tricky one. So that's something we'll see into how you can do that. It involves a, a level of access to the employer's data um, or a partnership through their insurance or their benefits company. Uh, so mm-hmm. something that we definitely want to do in the future. And what? Um what what kind of challenges have you seen? You know, getting to this point, are you what what has been? Um, you know, even, you know, when you're when you're talking to businesses or, um, you know, getting feedback or moving through, is it technology? Um, what are some great, you know, to do items that other entrepreneurs that are looking to build, you know, an empire too, um, what, what would you say they should watch out for? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think what's the most difficult, especially when you're a young company is, um, as the founder, I probably have 10 full-time roles that I'm filling myself. Of course. <laughs> and, and that's just yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so as a founder, it can be difficult to know what to focus on day to day because there's just so much to do that it's easy to kind of go down the rabbit hole. And I get caught up in tasks a lot and mm-hmm. to-do list, and I need to pull back and like focus on what the priorities are. Um, right. So being able to manage that, I kind of look at it like my job right now is to stoke the fire. And when I am able to hire people to replace parts of those 10 roles that I currently occupy, those people Mm -hmm. will be putting gas on the fire. Um, Yes. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) Yes. So that's something I'm very much looking forward to. We um, We are ramping up and starting to get full time team members. And so we're definitely headed towards a place where I will hopefully have maybe five roles instead of 10. (laughs) Exactly. That is the hope. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so tell us about your, 
um, your journey of coming, you, you know, the owning the cigar bar and the media company and, and some of your past and how that's kind of fueled you even getting to this space now, because it's all connected, right? Yes. Well, I, so when I graduated with my MBA, I knew that I wanted to own my own business. And at the time, my dad always told me to do what you love. And so I didn't know what business I wanted to do. So I just thought, well, what do I love? And I really actually like cigars a lot. And <laughs> it's a little I love weird. that. Yeah, now I'm in the health and wellness business. But before that, I was in the tobacco and alcohol business. <laughs> <laughs> They're connected. <laughs> so I ended up starting a cigar bar in Austin, Texas. And we were an e-commerce shop. We were a cigar media company. We had the first cigar podcast back in 2007. Love it. Yes. And we had like 20,000 subscribers to that. Um, and then we were a physical retail store with a, with a bar and a cigar lounge and a humidor. And so I did that for five years. And when I was thinking about what I loved and I did love cigars, I neglected to think about whether I loved retail. And mm. I did not love retail, as it turned out. <laughs> right. So after uh, about five years, I realized that this wasn't the right fit for me, and I didn't want to be in a retail-based business. And so I decided to close up shop, and I ended up moving on to the corporate world, which is where I had this experience that ultimately led to wellness. So I spent wow. five years in the corporate world. And at first I was like, oh, this is so much better than being a startup founder because it's like way less stressful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought like, wow, I've really hit the jackpot here. Like I have a regular paycheck and health insurance. Like this is great. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> and, you know, about five years in, it's kind of grass is always greener on the other side. Uh, five years in, I started realizing, well, I don't really have any impact in this company. It's a huge company and, you know, I don't really matter that much. I'm just kind of a cog in a wheel mm -hmm. and that's not what I want to do either. So slowly the entrepreneurial kind of seed started germinating within me again and um, I realized that that's what I wanted to do next. So here we are again, startup number two. Yes. Well, that's, I mean, that's awesome. And, and you know, that is interesting because... I think that it's easy as as an entrepreneur to and I feel like it definitely evolves as you as we grow as human beings in the in the impact that we want to create in the world. Right. So it's really interesting that, you know, I mean, the cigar bar and the the whole platform that you built in terms of, you know, the bar, the e-commerce shop, the podcast. I mean, that's amazing. But at the end of the day, you're still required to live in that retail environment, which does, I mean, that's something to really think about because, I mean, shoot, that's every day, all the time, not to mention all the other management stuff on the e-commerce side, right? I mean, that's yeah, a lot. We were just two when we started, so myself and my co-founder, and we were open seven days a week. So essentially, we would each take one shift every day. So one would do day and one would do night, and then mm -hmm. each work a double on one of the weekend days so that the other person could have one day off. Yeah. And it was exhausting. I mean, there were nights I slept in the cigar lounge. Uh, many, many times I was there till like three in the morning. Yeah. And on top of running the business 
you know, actually working in the business, there's running the business. So I had to, you know, do books and purchase orders and manage inventory. And so it, it was an awful lot to do for just two people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That can become quite, you know, when, when, when is, when do I get to shift gears down <laughs> that question pending every day? Right. <laughs> Yeah, what's actually interesting is my co-founder in the cigar bar, after we closed, I went off to um, do project management and business operations, and he went off and got uh, his computer science degree and is a developer, and we are actually working together again on wellness, so that's awesome. together uh, in this business as well, which is really cool. Full circle, who knew, right? Well, that's, I mean, and that's amazing, too, because you already know the working and habitual patterns of this person, too, which makes it much more trustworthy to jump in a second time. Yeah, I think we've known each other like 11 years now, so we we know each other pretty well. I love that. That's, that's very cool. Because, man, once you find those really great people, they become your, they need to become your family, because that's what a startup is. It's a family, (laughs) because you're you know, in the trenches together. <laughs> you have to see each other at your, your best and your worst. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, well, Heather, you know, this, you know, this is, again, I think wellness is an amazing, amazing concept. And, um, you know, I think that it's, it's really important for businesses to understand how important mindful mindfulness programs are ultimately and how it they can really shape their environment. So um, a huge congratulations to you on, on bringing this forward. I think it's amazing. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, um, one last thing before, you know, we, we kicked off, kick off, but um, what do you, what would be like your ultimate, ultimate, like, I don't know, little, tidbit for that inspiring entrepreneur out there, even in the health and wellness sector or not, just in general? Do you have a little tip you want to kind of leave with the audience? Yeah, I think the key to having a startup is that you have to be really tenacious. And it's not just about working hard or having a great idea. It's a lot about never giving up because there are a lot of times you're going to want to give up and you're going to hear a lot of no's and it can feel very frustrating and like you're not getting anywhere. Um, and what I found recently is that a lot of the seeds that I've sown when things felt tough and felt like, like, I don't know if this is going to work, they all started kind of sprouting at the same time. And so things can just turn around so quickly where the hard work that you put in eventually does start paying off. So you just really got to hang in there and, and trust in what you're doing. And uh, it's really a numbers game. The, the longer you stick with it, the more effort you put in, the uh, the more chance that you have of making it. Ah, that's beautiful, perfect advice because it's 100% true. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. I mean, it's such a you know, cliche statement, but it's so true, very true. And if you all hold hands together, it will it will work. It's just digging in and doing it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. We're a unique breed. <laughs> yeah. That's true also. <laughs> and especially as, you know, kick-ass women. Let's face it. That's just even more awesome as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Agreed, yes. 
<laughs> well, thank you, Heather. We really appreciate you being on the Disrupt Now podcast. And we're going to share all of your information and how people can connect with you and, ev- and everything as we roll out the episode. So thank you so much. And we'll look forward to having you back because I think it would be really intriguing to talk about some results that you're seeing with specific companies that you're working with from an ROI perspective and culture perspective. Yeah, that would be great. I'd love to come back. Awesome. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest and thank you to the Disrupt Now podcast community. To connect with today's guest and every other guest that we have on our show, there are two places that we keep not only all of the episodes, but the information and bio of each of our amazing guests and their contact information. The DisruptNowProgram.com site has all of the podcast link, as well as TeamGoo.com forward slash episodes. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll see you again on the Disrupt Now podcast.